following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. We're at Rambanksh's class just warning you. Yeah, just wait. Scream loud. Um, okay, so we, we the topic we were discussing, we, we mentioned two questions last week. Um, question number one was a person who uh, was had a some type of cancerous tumor in their face. Now this is relevant to you, in their face. And um, the, the doctor, the surgery, that the only thing that can heal it and was cutting out part of their jaw and their nose. Let me just make sure I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Question? Okay. Just like call the commando procedure. Is that what okay, so yeah, so cutting, sorry, their eye and their part of their jaw. Okay, to okay. so lose an eye and part of their jaw, and this person, this person claimed that they they uh, they they did not want to heed the advice of the doctor. They were scared they were going to die in the surgery. They weren't happy with the surgery. Thank you very much. Um, so the question is, are they obligated to do the surgery from the doctor's perspective and from the patient's perspective? Meaning, as we discussed many times in Jewish law, there's limited, very limited autonomy when it comes to saving life um, as opposed to Western ethics. So, so therefore, the question is, quote-unquote, do we have to force the patient, which mean, it really means convincing him as much as possible to perform the surgery. How are you doing out there? Um, Wait, what are the facts as far as the no patient facts. is concerned? We don't discuss facts in this class. You should know that by now. Okay. Don't um, confuse well, me with the facts. What, what do you want to know? Meaning the patient, you said, felt that it was too dangerous to have the surgery based on what fact? No, well, no, no, no not just two things. One is they were scared of dying. They were scared based of dying based on... The doctor said there's really no danger. There's, there's very so little this is danger. Just the, the patient's, patient's psychological perception. needs, yes, and the patient did not want to live a quality of life without an eye and a jaw, even though it would be reconstructive surgery, but he felt like so he did, he'd rather not of, live. In spite of the professionals providing all the information yes. and yes. trying to assuage all concerns, yes. patients still felt, based on no fact, but based, based on Based on the facts that they were feelings. given. The no, but it's also an emotional issue that the quality of life is. Well, making a decision, it's a fact. The quality I mean, of life we're not going to have a. Uh, that's what my question is. Quality based on what? Not having an eye and. But and the, a, I'm a saying real the professionals job. already. Yes, told yes, them yes, how this to is, yeah, is, yes. They're not the, actually the the doctor is the one asking the question here. What is their obligation as a physician? Should they? How far should they have to push the patient? Is there an obligation in this case or not? I thought this was the 33% rule. That's why I'm trying no, to get so, to numbers. No, so that's so a good point. We'll get there. But we're not discussing the risk or not. That's not the issue here. I thought that um, was the, the patient's perceptive risk. No, I'm saying we're not discussing the, the halakhic question on the table. It's not the question of risk, um, meaning that's a separate question which we've discussed in the past. And we will discuss in the future. Yeah, it is curative. The doctor saying that there's basically this surgery is is uh, almost 100% success rate as far as curative. So also, that's an old case. You got yeah, this old is written in 1978. Yeah. Wow, how do you remember that? Press. <laughs> um, so so, uh, but yeah. So I'm saying so. It's only the patient's perception, yes, of risk. But it's but again, the issue here is not the risk involved, only because the, the question on the table really is going to be: we have a obligation to heal. She insulted? You got her seat? Hmm? She insulted? No, she has to go. Okay. 
Um, so the question on the table is, as we know, there's an obligation to save your life. The question is, if there's risk involved, yes, that changes the number, that changes the obligation maybe in certain cases. We, we weigh it's a risk-benefit analysis, but, um, but here the question is bigger. Do I have a right to refuse to live when, in this case, my quality of life is going to go extremely downhill? Because of cosmetic, but, but no, we it's don't It's not know only that. cosmetics, it's, it's, it's a psychological, yes. But it's, that's his percent, his quality. He's assuming you're right. He's assuming he's not going to be able to live with that level of quality. It's like, not, not perception. He's going to be missing an eye, right? It's not perception. He's not going to have an eye. Of course you can live. You can live with a lot of things. But he feels like he will not be able to. It's not a perception. It's psychological. Some people rather have maintain their quality of life than their life. Okay. That was question number one. Question number two was, uh, we'll read it inside in a second, is it was a separate question with similar case, where in this case, the guy, well, he was, he was, uh, he needed stomach surgery, we'll have to get a colostomy, he'll end up with a colostomy, and he claimed, it was two cases here, um, that uh, either his wife's going to want to, one case his wife will want to divorce him, because he'll have a colostomy, so he's going to ruin his marriage, and he'd rather not, he'd rather not, he'd rather live a married life till the end of his life than for, live for single. discussion, she is going to divorce him. For discussion. Uh, well, uh, he well knows I don't know. We'll see. Is. I'm not sure. Well, or a single guy who feels like it will ruin his chances prospects, of right. his prospects, his future prospects, and therefore he's refusing the colostomy. Um, so does he have a right to do that? Those are the two questions on so, the table. So the, the question in my mind is, are, are we looking at this from the perspective of yes. whether the patient has the right to decline? Or whether the physician has a duty to arm twist to both. get them to accept. Um, both. The question is posed by the physician in both cases, yes, but it obviously has to discuss from both perspectives. Meaning, meaning, if the patient does not have an obligation to do it, then the physician can't force him to do it. In halacha, there's always a question. I mean, force again doesn't mean tie the guy down and do the surgery, but it means we push as much as possible. Um, technically, in the, maybe in that Sorry, in a halachic society, we could tie the guy. We're say, yes. Is it a fact that the wife, the person's wife, is going to leave him, or is it his? We'll perception? get this. We'll read the question together inside in a because second. Not sure. The, Good question. What is the difference? Yes, hundred percent. We'll read it together. I don't. Okay. I don't know the answer. To it. I'm just first. I'm just discussing what we discussed last week. Then we'll get to. A new issue. So, so now, but one of the things I just want to correct myself: a correction from last week. Last week we started off with the pasuk and the parsha, the verse in the parsha, which said that you have. We use that as a source for an obligation to um, that you have to get. You have to stay healthy. Well, no, okay, no, I don't have. Sorry, I'm, I'm mixing up my classes. I gave the same class somewhere else. Shabbat. So, but I just want to, either way, if I, in case I misstated it, that verse only requires you to save your life. It does not require you, because I gave a class on Shabbat about exercising and eating healthy, and I used that verse, and I, I think that's wrong, so I just want to correct myself. Um, that the verse only, that verse only requires you if there's danger to life. You can't do anything that's dangerous to your life, but does not obligate you to stay healthy per se, meaning you know, to exercise every day or to eat healthy diets. I just want to no, so is there another verse that does obligate you Not to stay really. healthy? Not really, is what I Thank realized. God. Though, yet that's commonly accepted block that you have an obligation to take care of you yourself. You can't, well, again, depending on 
where you draw the line. You can't do anything dangerous. So if you say, let's say, eating red meat, daily uh, certain amounts of red meat, well, it's dangerous, you can't do it. But if it's just the obligation to eat a healthy diet or to exercise daily, that so verse, because the verse, again, is just life. saying, if to watch your life. Okay. There are some opinions who might broaden it, but most opinions just say it's about okay. life, behind, not about health. Behind. Give them 50 years. They'll never catch up. So, I mean, this whole concept that the patient is obligated to heal, to be no, healed. No, that, that's something else. Yes, because the assumption is a danger to your life. You're not healed. Like in these cases, he's going to die if he doesn't do what the doctors are telling. Right. So then there's an obligation, biblical obligation, according to most. Okay, so now... The doctor's hedging on the question. Because the doctor says, well, for sure he's not going to die when we do the surgery. And there's no risk from the surgery. We know that's not true. Um, again, the, the minimal, maybe in 1978 there was more risk. It's a, minim it's a minimal risk. We have a... It's ENT here. So how much how much risk is there in a jaw and eye surgery? As a patient, always has well, sh let's say the professional. <laughs> sh how much risk? Do the There's on always the risk. No, I'm saying, but is it a negligible risk? That's not the discussion today. No, no, but he's, he has a point. He's, he's no, the question has a good is question that's relevant. The surgery from anesthesia. Is the question about anesthesia? There's always a standard anesthesia. Yeah, but I'm saying that's negligible. Yeah. Halacha, those numbers well, surgery, are Surgery, the patient's not going to die from surgery. Okay, there you Yeah, the staff <laughs> that there is other things take place in hospitals. Terrorists so come in and... Yeah, maxilla and orbital... No, it's, I mean, you, hmm? you get great blood flow, you'll have very low chance of infection. Zero. Reconstruction will be an issue, but yeah. Zero. No, I'm not... Nothing zero. Oh. No, but the, what I'm saying is minimal risk. There's something called negligible risk. In Allah, negligible numbers. Once you get below a certain number, that's we don't consider that risk in Allah. It has to be a, a not, you know the real risk. I, what exactly the number is, I can't tell you, but but there are there is something called negligible numbers. Whatever the doctor says. If it's a patient's decision, he is told by the doctor. Either he doesn't believe the doctor. Or he believes the doctor. No, he you can believe the doctor. The situation, he's not going to die. Oh, okay. That's from an older generation of doctors. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> he, there's something called WebMD today, where you right. believe whatever it says, you don't believe the doctor. Whatever it says on Google, you believe and you never believe but it. It's not an inconsequential question, because there's, there's all sorts of risk. It depends who's doing it. For example... Okay, we're not getting the risk. You're right, that's a different question. You're saying that there's no risk. There is yeah, risk the doctor's saying, and it says no risk. The risk is negligible as far as halakha is concerned. Let's okay. put it in those yeah, the problem is the you're giving this, this the doctor, you're giving this doc that's to doctors. That's the problem. <laughs> that is you shouldn't, problem. Giving you shouldn't associate with doctors. That's the really. ground rule for this particular case is there's negligible risk of doctors. Oh! Yes, okay. Let's continue. Okay, so now everyone should have a paper like this. In, except Ed, I don't know, gave it away. Ed gave his away, yes. I'll put it in front of me. Ed only wants the Spanish version. I'm out. Oh, you know what? I, I don't need one. I have a book. I have the book. That's the teacher's edition. Yeah, that's higher. Okay, so... Okay, so... Go back to sleep. So, so this is the this this again this this is the question posed by the doctor. The doctor's name is Professor Yermia Brownover, famous guy. Um, this was written in 1992. This is the second question. Okay, so we're not going to the first question. We more or less addressed last week. We didn't come to conclusion, but I believe it's the same conclusion. So, 
So let's see it in this in the <laughs> second question here. So this was written. This question was posed in 1992. Okay, the the, the title is a patient who is concerned that if he has the surgery, the suggested surgery, yimas alishta, not suggested, the necessary surgery, he will become disgusting to his wife, to his spouse. Okay, shvat shvat tafshinun beis. 1992, Shvar and Tafshin and This is the, the following problem, is what was brought in front of us. It was um, brought to us by um, medical students, and doctors, in one of the hospitals in Israel, this past year. In the question, the f- many of the important facts are missing. Okay, <laughs> about the medical condition. Shakala no Um Oh, sorry. It means I think it means it means the names. It took out the important names um, because of HIPAA laws, even in Israel, believe it or not. Kachshein ba maspik pratim. So even though there might not be all the facts, enough facts, they left a lot psak din mali to give a full ruling. At least hear this uh, the basics in order to open the, open the topic. Um, so this is the case. Ravak ben 35, a single man, 35 years old, ushpas im satan mehagas, with cancer of the what did we say last week? Mehagas. I'm not sure. Sounds like some type of. Well, it could. It, 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 it has. It is colostomy, so it's probably. It's Probably the colon. <laughs> okay, colon could be. Okay, there's something of the uh, the large yeah, intestine. I think it means the large intestine, actually. That's the colon. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, that is the colon. Okay, see that? That's why I'm around. <coughs> Small intestine semicolon. Okay, so the large intestine. The doctors are suggesting a colostomy um, have prognatia, that means the prognosis in Hebrew, it's good to know, prognatia is prognosis. Mitsuyanes is very good, a good prognosis if he does goes through with this procedure. The patient is is uh, trying to get out of the surgery, to agree to the surgery. Pachtu, who his, his fear is he's, he's going to lose, he's going to change his autonomy. He's not going to be able to find a mate to marry. Not when you go on a date with a colostomy, it's not such a, such so attractive. Or, on the other hand, I don't know if the same case, different case, you have a married uh, person. Through this, if he has this procedure in the colostomy, he will um, become disgusted to his wife. Not disgusted, disgusting. He, she will want a divorce from him. She will request a divorce with the claim of Mo'asalai. He's I can't live with him any longer. He's disgusting. So meaning, and this is by the way in halacha, the, you know, Jewish law is strict about divorces. There's a long list of what is grounds for divorce. Amongst the list, and we'll probably come up with a discussion. And the answer is if the woman claims I, there's he has some kind of thing which I didn't know about before, which disgusts me, and I know I can't live with. Okay, can't have relations with him, whatever the case. Amongst that list, there's many things. One of them is bad breath, by the way. 
<laughs> so it's a it's a pretty liberal list. So this is a good uh, and that is grounds for divorce. For divorce that she has a right to go to <laughs> bed. He doesn't can force him to give a divorce. If he has a colostomy after marriage, you know, uh, after. after yeah, well, I'm saying so if the condition comes up that she says right. I can't. There are things I that are ground for divorce. Words. One of the, the claim, again, the words of the Gemara uh, is Mosalai. He is disgusting to me. Okay. The way you presented it sounded like it existed prior. No, uh, yeah, no, what I'm saying is if it did exist prior and she knew about it and she married him, then she can't claim mm-hmm. it disgusts me. That's well, the point. Claim that she the could only claim about something that. No, no, I'm saying if she. It's like you buy a car and you knew it has this defect, then you can't claim. You want to return. So it. if it's only the marriage, if the right. If you found out about the defect after the marriage, either it just came up or it existed, but there was no disclosure. But she didn't tell her. Either there's no disclosure. Him, but he's there's no disclosure. Then then it's a mech- yeah, Then you're right. Then the marriage is done. Kind of thing. No, well, she can go to Bethim, but he's still got to give the get. Now the Bethim forces him to give the get. Force him? Of course. Yes. Yeah, you never read the papers. Break his legs. You know, Send the rabbi mafia. Gentle the rabbi mafia. So, it's a bride with a That's part of the question. Meaning, seeing that, can he claim he won't find a mate? He can find a mate. You know, it's a pink colostomy. Okay. So, he says the patient knows and understands what are the consequences of cancer that is not treated um, he understands that okay, okay. it's the facts he's ready to accept them in order to live at Sherat Chayav Imisha to live the rest he'd rather live married um, than have this procedure okay it's like uh, I have a brother actually he's a physician he, 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 he in the old days when the What's it called? Colonoscopy. So he um, he was required to take colonoscopy. He says he'd rather die than have the colonoscopy. That's his uh, opinion. <laughs> In the old days, before they, they put you out. You know, no, they so so here he'd rather die than live uh, than live without a wife. He said. So the question is, is is it uh, what's the law according to the Din Torah. To treat because he's already 35 years old. He's been living with a, a wife for quite a while. Well, that's maybe or, that's yeah, we don't know if he's without a wife or with a wife. Oh, well, either says he's one a single man. He's 35. Yeah, two, two, two kids. Two one, one's, sure. yeah, yeah. No, one's before marriage and one's after marriage. <laughs> right. oh. A 35-year-old isn't married. Do we have to, uh, are we obligated according to Din Torah to quote-unquote force this patient to have the procedure? Which means use any means possible to get him to agree to procedure in in those days. Okay, these days. So that's the question. We got the question now. Yeah. Okay. Any uh, comments, criticisms, arguments? Nothing. Okay. So there's a lot. He's gonna bring in a lot of uh, stuff here. So last week. So again, just just to, we mentioned. Um, let's see what he mentioned here. So the first thing he's going to discuss the issue of autonomy in general in Allah, as we as and as we discussed in the past, how far do you take it? What does it mean? No autonomy. Can we force a patient? So he brings the proof text to that in in general cases. Um, again, the question really here is: Do I have a right to refuse treatment? And again, from the patient's perspective, when my quality of life will 
um, will be affected in a great way. That's really in both By cases. I believe the same question. No, well, again, it, it clearly Who's lowers your level. Yeah. If you put yeah. colostomy on J-Date, you're not going to get a lot of hits. Uh, I, mean, I can yeah. tell you. Yeah. <laughs> saying it's not a perception, that's a so fact. Right? No, I hear you. I'm but saying it's not just a perception. It, per se, you know, it, as they say, perception is reality. I learned that the hard way. That's true. <laughs> that's okay. a good point. That is a reality. Which problem. word should you put on the J-Date? Right. Cancer uh, or colostomy? Right. All <laughs> Yes, so yeah, 100%. Uh, here, this, uh, yeah, so Zang doesn't address that issue, by the way, which is a separate issue we discussed in the past, that someone doesn't disclose an illness when they're dating or when they're getting married, then that can invalidate the marriage. That's a different issue. Mm-hmm. And, and also, we won't raise it today, yes. but, but yes. then does his What's Jewish physician have a ah, duty yes, to that's the go question. on J-Date oh, and say, Send him an email. he didn't tell you this, but you know By what? By the way, FYI. Yes. I treated him for cancer yes. with so the that's colostomy. That's a different question, which I believe we discussed here in the past. Yeah, we've discussed what, that. What one. the physician has to reveal to <laughs> a potential mate. Um, which is a serious issue. Muddy the water, so. Yes, yes. Okay, so um, so so let's let's so let's read a little just to get in perspective. Uh, just want to make sure we skip anything. So let's just read this answer. Okay, Nira. So he goes on to say the tshuva. Where he says tshuva, that's the answer. Nira shachole chayav liniter. Off the bat, he says this patient is obligated to have the surgery. That's the answer. A person is not own uh, ownership does not have ownership over their body to um, give up their life. Okay, so um, so he says therefore the technically we quote unquote force him to do it. Um, as the Tosefta and Shkalim mentions, mentions that's a tractate in the Talmud. Um, it's actually giving this as a, it's a long story, but it's called, talking about machzis hashekel. Shkolem is talking about totally unrelated. It's talking about there's an obligation uh, um, once a year in the times of the temple. They would give, everyone have to give a half shekel coin to the temple. That was the dues. That's the original concept of paying dues to your synagogue. Fortunately, it's a lot more than half a shekel today. Um, and there was no sliding scale then. Everyone paid the same amount. Um, and the Talmud says the Bedin can force someone to give them machta shekel. And the example, the analogy he gives is with a physician. It says, um, someone who had an illness in their foot, it says the doctor tied him up in order to, to amputate his leg, to perform the surgery. Um, so the Gemara says, So too we can force someone because it's for their good. We can force them to give the machzah shekel. What was that first example? Amputating legs. Where that? Where was that example? The the Talmud in the Tosefta here is giving the analogy. You can force someone to give the machzah shekel. Forget the shekel. What about the leg? It says why the analogy. Just like a doctor who has a patient who has something wrong with his foot, he can tie him down in order Where does that come from? What statement from is that? From Tosefta. It's all there, read it. No, but One the Tosefta, Tosefta is, is quoting, is analogizing. Is you don't have to give this guy's quoting Tosefta. He's quoting Tosefta, yes. but, but Tosefta... Where did Tosefta come from? Yeah. Oh. Where did Tosefta Where get, did get that? get it? Where did they get I don't that know, story but the from? point is, for us, we can use that if something's in the Talmud. We can use that as, you see the concept, 
of, uh, of uh, forcing of a patient. Meaning, the Seft is assuming that a, a physician strange. can force the patient. I mean, you want to know where in the Torah they got it from? I mean, that's a huge statement. Uh, major, yes. <laughs> the Seft is not, uh, does, is not saying this halach, not even addressing this. Yeah. It's just a sidebar. No, no, I understand, but they're basing it on, yes. like, a doctor Secondly, against consent, against yes. anything, can just amputate a leg. Because you it's know, for another. I think the down. other key point in which he's saying is interesting is because it's for their benefit. Obviously, it has to be for their benefit. <laughs> but you can't just do it because uh, you need a leg. Right. Well, so it's, interesting it's, it's, it's interesting that it, yeah. whether there's any argument around that point. Well, it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. No, I'm saying it does. Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. What, what? Where'd you get that from? Where's the source? Yeah. Um, the it's similar it's to similar uh, a psychiatric committing uh, a person against the will. I don't, I don't know that. That's yeah, but where's the, the source for that? That's the whole society. thing. Where's the source? That's, that's not. I don't know. But about I don't know. Sure because in psychiatric be case, they're they're not competent to. Uh, right. But if you have a competent patient that ha- needs an amputated leg, you can't. Of course, you're yeah, not you saying. Well, of course not. No one's saying. Do we tie them up today? No, not saying that. You just bring. You see the concept. Whatever coffin means. It means that we, yeah. we, in, t- in today's day and age, it means you try whatever means you have to convince the patient to do it. Doesn't mean you tie. You don't well, tie a patient. That would be you. You get informed consent. So you give the yes. the patient all the information. It might even mean that the patient would need psychological counseling because sure. maybe their worldview is rather limited. Uh, and they can't imagine that there could be a person out there that could love them for themselves um, and not how they um so even in the case of the dating, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, um, yes, so whatever means we have so, at our disposal but, in order to convince them. Yes. for a physician, a physician will always need informed consent before oh, they Of course, we're not, I know, I, we're not discussing Western society. Of course, but in America, this is not relevant. The question is, again, we're t- coming here from a halakhic perspective, the concept of autonomy is not really up there in halakha, in Jewish law, okay, obviously. So th- that's the issue here. I mean, so we're going with the halakha, we're not discussing right. practically. I'm not, no, just I as understand. a disclaimer, any physician should know, I am not advising you to tie down your patient <laughs> and perform <laughs> the surgery. Okay, I do not have malpractice insurance. I don't know. If you were to do that, where so would I'm, I'm not sure where where does that his come? foot would help us. It's a good question. <laughs> We'll get maybe he'll discuss that. Kind of, they just <laughs> drop it in. It's, 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 yes. Everyone knows that. Yes. And you don't know. Yes. Right. 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 say where it comes from. Yeah. Well, it's coming it's from this stuff. For for a halachic posik, that's sufficient. If it's in the Talmud, that's enough. So we don't have to know more than so that. So just to be clear, I'm saying that that's, that's, this, this is a This rabbi is saying. <laughs> Life trumps quality of life. Period. End of story. That's what he's saying. Now he's trying to explain all that. Um, I don't even know if he's going to explain it, but that's what he's but saying. That, <laughs> that is what he's saying. Yes. That is what he's saying. Yeah. He's trying. To, he's trying. He's struggling with the same issues. Yeah, but no, but he's saying even right, even against the will of the patient. In, right. In a general case. Well, by the way, he didn't get to. No, he didn't get to discuss our case. I mean, he's not. A, he's just saying this is the general. In general person. life trumps quality. Meaning, if of someone. Life is going to die and we can save their life, we do it even against their will. That's, that's number and one. quality of life is irrelevant. Well, he, he didn't say <coughs> yes. that yet. He didn't say that yet. But he'll get there. He's going to get there. He started that. I mean, I okay. Okay, so that's number one. 
Um, by the way, just in the concept also of it's for your benefit, we do things against your will, you find that spiritually also, speaking of Gittin, interesting side point, he doesn't mention this, which is, you mentioned before about how do we force a guy to give a get, which is, uh, you know, the same question. So the Rambam says, the Gemara says, also you can literally, technically beat the husband until he agrees to, if there's gr- full grounds, again, in Jewish law, this is, as you know, one of the modern contemporary issues in, in Judaism today, in halachic Judaism is that the Torah says very clearly the husband is the one that has to agree to the get. Okay, he's the active one. He has to write the get. He has to give it, etc. So the problem is, um, in when you had society in those days, so the society technically couldn't, can't force the husband. They would put him in chayim, kick him out of the shul, excommunicate him unless he agreed to give a get. They had means to do it. Um, Unfortunately, today we don't live in that type of society. So, didn't they? We the people don't live in it. You kick the guy out of the shul, he goes down the block to the next one, right? So, so it doesn't really work. So, one day, yeah. I'm glad I finished. Okay. Time. So, the point is, so it says you can for the problem is the get after has to be given out of your own free will. Meaning, the person has to. You need consent for the get. Okay. It means the person, and this is I, I officiate I get him. Unfortunately, um, not a good business to go into. But uh, the the the. You, you, part of the process is you have to sit down with the husband and he has to consent. If the husband even changes his mind in the middle of the process, it's over. You have to start writing the get again. So you have to start the whole process again. Meaning, consent of the husband is a key part of it. So says the Rambam, you're even allowed to beat him until he consents. That's free Now, well. what does that mean? So, one second. Now, what does that mean? How, if you're beating him, he's not consenting. So, where's the consent? Right? If I put a gun to your head, that's not consent. That's the form consent. Says the Rambam. Says the Rambam. No, that is consent because this is really what's best for him. He he has a Jewish soul, and this is what he really wants. His Yitzhahara is stopping him. One second. His Yitzhahara is convincing him not to do it. But this is he knows it's the right thing to do, and he really wants to do the right thing. Therefore, when you beat him and he says, "Okay, I'll do it," then that is considered consent. Okay, so really so the so the point is, I think yes. the definition, the Correct. Western definition of consent and the halachic <laughs> definition is slightly different. Devil made <laughs> a little oh different. God, so God. just to contrast, it, just to throw it in. Yeah. Two things. One, in this issue, there's a documentary called One this of Us. This is to help women run. You should be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A documentary called a One of Us, about ex Hasidim, one of whom is a woman whose husband was abusive. He was beating her, and she wanted the community do something about it, they wouldn't. They said, the husband rules, unlike what you're saying. is where the, I, know, I, never, I don't know such community that would say that, but don't believe everything you've seen in the movies. I'm just saying, it's a documentary. <laughs> it's called One of Us, in case you're interested. Okay. Secondly, the key thing about this is in the very first state, the very first sentence, he makes a statement that right away limits the scope of the people who be interested in this shuva, which is, your body does not belong to you. For most of the Western world, they would reject that statement outright. 100%. 100%. Outright. That's why. So the guy is saying right away, autonomy. Forget about it, because your body does not belong to you. And that, that's so right away. We're talking about a very small portion of the population would be even interested in having this discussion. 100%. They would have dismissed it out of but, hand. But many people, when they write, particularly legal writing, you you open in the first sentence with this is what what we're this is our position. The rest is going to be the commentary. Exactly. Anyway, so so the, like yes. So in either case, way. consent. Obviously, like we're saying, the Rambam's language, the Gemara's real language is kofen also. You force him until he says, "I want." Okay, so it's forced consent, so to speak. 
um, which again, because we believe you have a soul who wants to do the right thing, in this case too. So if it's a mitzvah, I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm making the analogy. It's not just a nice uh, to know. It's, it's I think the analogy is here. He doesn't make the analogy. The analogy is this guy really wants to do what's right because he's he's a Jew who wants to keep the Torah. So he wants to do what's right. What's right is, of course, he should he needs to save his life. Therefore, we the cons- we have. Like this concept of forced consent, so to speak. You yes. previously made a statement, a general <laughs> statement, in one of our discussions. When somebody's sick, yes. their thinking is really not normal. Yes, we had And that discussion. sort of applies here, that uh, this guy is very sick. Yeah, and he's so emotionally... The community like is substituting like, uh, their judgment for like his... You were saying there's, emo- there's an emotional right, el- right. element to it, a very strong emotional element, which is pushing him towards one way. If we can somehow get him out of that emotional state... The degree of the sickness isn't discussed, so we don't know... Correct. He may not be that sick. Correct, but it kind of turns informed consent on its head, which is, can you really have informed consent if you think he's not normal? That and s- Meaning he or he's... If he doesn't want to do the right thing. Exactly. If his, cause his think, so beating him in that case is saying he's really thinking not in a normal way, and our judgment is that... We beat him hard enough. Beat it. Exactly. His thinking is very <laughs> catastrophic. You know, um, I'm, in, I'm scared, I'm going to have a complication, nobody's going to want to marry me. It's like, well, we don't know that. Right. Maybe... No, you but this know, is not this is not aberrant thinking. Many, I mean, all of us who doctors deal with patients, you tell them something and they come up with a statement that's on its face untrue or they have no experience in dealing with it. Like, uh, here, I'll give you an example. You, no, you read an informed yeah. consent and say you could have a stroke. And you exactly. read it and they just whiz by it. And they have no idea how devastating a stroke can yeah, really yeah. be. Uh-huh. He's like, really? I could have a stroke? Forget about it. I won't do this. Uh-huh. Good luck. Huh? This joke. Good luck. Okay, so um, second paragraph. So, so that we got that out of the way. Consent. Okay, now he does, now he does quote something we mentioned a few few months back. We discussed that in a case where the let's say the patient by having the procedure would live in major pain. Okay, um, a terminal patient. I think we discussed then um, that. This, the procedure prescribed by the physicians will lengthen the life of the patient, but they'll end up living a much, much lower quality of life physically. Okay, in that case, so the, the um, we discussed then in the name of the stipler that's what he's quoting here that says you don't have to do that. You're not obligated to force the patient to do that procedure. It says, You don't have to lengthen the life of a patient who's suffering great sufferings, great pain. Maybe that can apply here too. Over there, here is maybe more of an emotional pain um, that'll be suffering, but for him that's pain. As we discussed in, in Jewish law, emotional pain and physical pain is somewhat on the same uh, we, we violate Shabbat for extreme, uh, for a nervous breakdown or even for mental illness. That so maybe untreatable pain or just it's pain? I mean, Over there? No, here. In the, the no, no, I'm saying in that case of the in our question, or in yeah, because it, yeah, it's one thing you have pain for the rest of your life, but it's untreatable. I mean, no, over there it was, yeah, if it's treatable, and yeah, we're, we're saying over there where the person, but is that untreatable? The person, that case was the person's extremely suffering, and it was the end of life. So he said, You're not obligated to do a procedure which is going to lengthen their life in that situation. So he says, Maybe that applies here. He says, No. He says it's not analogous. That case is achinadvarim domim to this case. He did write so the case of the stipler who is quoting there that letter. Nemru bechol shechay of chayisha. That's only someone who's terminally ill. 
that's where you can say that. When someone's terminally ill and they're extremely suffering, so you don't have to do a procedure which will lengthen their life. Without relieving their suffering. It may lengthen their life, but you're not right, going to exactly. relieve their suffering. Right, exactly. Yes, yeah, that was the case. In our case, he can live for many years once he gets the colostomy here. That's called what we call eternal life, not eternal, but it means it means a regular life. He, his, his life expectancy is normal once he has this procedure. He's not terminal. In this case, it's push and it's obvious that you have to do the surgery. So he's saying it's not analogous to the case where you have a terminally ill patient. In that case, we do make exceptions and we say you don't have to lengthen the life of a terminally ill patient who's only going to live six months, three months, or three weeks, and they want to do a procedure, and the patient's living in extreme pain and will continue to live in extreme pain even after the procedure, that you don't have to do. But that's, he says, that's only by terminal. That's not applicable to a case where the person will have a regular life expectancy after the procedure. So another way of saying it, the key thing is you're saving a life. Or is that guy was the one of the terminal... You're saving a life there, but you're only saving short-term exactly. life as what opposed to long-term life. You're right. That's what we're saying. Quality, well, uh, over there, quality of life does count. So in a just limited a, context. In a limited, that context, quality of life is relevant. Here, what he's saying is quality of life is irrelevant as long as it's a full, you're saving him, that is going to be technically live normal, again, that's, yeah, normal life expectancy then. Okay, so that's number two. Any quotes, Igris Marsha, which I try to, I couldn't find the exact quote inside um, in this truva, but it's a lengthy truva. This is the response I'm dealing with the question, the famous question we discussed many, many times in the past, which is how much risk in a case where it's a person has only a terminal, or sorry, not terminal, a person who, without this procedure, without this surgery, they won't be able to live. Okay, they're gonna die. Let's say 100. You know, I don't know. Like the say 100%, aneurysm. Exactly. But with the surgery, you live a long life. H- how do you weigh? What's the numbers? How does it work? Risk-benefit analysis. So Moshe, um, there's many different opinions in halacha about this. Um, Moshe Feinstein's opinion is, if it's it has to be more than 50%, ben- meaning the risk-benefit analysis has to be more than 50% of life that he's going to live with the surgery. Meaning, again, let me just explain the case clearly. The surgery alone has risk involved. So let's say it's a bone marrow transplant. If he doesn't get this bone marrow transplant, person with leukemia is going to die within the year, okay, within 12 months. If he has the surgery, he can live a long life if it's successful. But the risk involved in that surgery many times with, with host versus graft disease, etc., can be 65%, 70% risk. So is he obligated to have that surgery in that case? That's a famous scenario we discussed. We had a whole conference about it. Um, so there are different opinions in halach. Moshe Feinstein's opinion is the, benef- the, the risk ratio benefit has to be over 50% towards living. That's the only time you're allowed to do the surgery. Okay, meaning anything less than that, he would, he would he, anything less than 50%, if there's more than 50% risk to the life of the patient, you cannot do the surgery. But Point that was motion. changed by a different rabbi. It wasn't changed. There's different opinions. It was modified to 33%. No, it's not modified. It's different levers. opinions. There's different opinions. Not, thought, it's not I changed. the opinion, opinion That's 33%. the opinion of Rabbi Yashav and Shalom Zalman. There's different three rabbis. Three leper opinions. There's different opinions. Three, three rabbis, three lepers. Oh. So 33% is not the going rate, or it's 50%? No, that, that, 
If somebody would be expected to live 10 years with this procedure right, as so opposed to two years without it, that's a, a, a net of eight life years. Right, so Allah, I don't think he uses those numbers only because, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't want to go there now, it's a different topic. But, but anyway, there, yeah, there's a concept yeah. of life Yeah, so years. here it's, it's, it's risk and, versus and we benefit. Use it in, in it could that be that that has an effect for economics to say, you know, how many, uh, how, what's yeah, the yeah, price per yes. life year? Yes. So my recollection is Rabbi Steinberg, when he lectured on this topic here, he was going to say that's that, not the topic. that it's relevant to this, that this is yes. one of the few areas where the patient has autonomy. They can oh, actually no, so refuse getting, the one procedure. Second. So says your Marshall Feinstein, that's what he's going to quote. Now, in this response, that if, if, this, if it's 50 50, then, then it's leave it up to the patient. Okay, the patient does not is not obligated to do it. If um, once there's actually, I think he might even say, I'm not sure. Let's see in a second. Um, if it's over fifty, meaning even though, let's say, what we're saying is, if it's less than fifty, if there's more than fifty percent risk to the patient life, you can't do the surgery. Now, what happens if there's less than fifty percent? Is he obligated to do the surgery, or is it he can? It's, it's so Ramajah Feinstein proves in this lengthy chuva, like four pages, from various sources. That if once he's a, he's only he it's a, he's allowed to do the surgery he does not have to permitted do it. yes permitted. he can elect to do the surgery it's permitted but he's not obligated to do the surgery That's so what's the surgery it's up to it's up to the patient in this case the patient has a what's time what's his threshold for obligatory yeah. to do the surgery well it would be uh, <coughs> you know, negligible risk or very little risk very little risk let's see I don't know let's see. So, so, I'm so saying, but so in this so case, it's up to the patient. So, negligible to fifty percent is optional. It's up to the. I, I think negligible. Let me let me read. Let's read inside. Let's make sure I'm correct. A lot of gray space. Hey, Mavor, Bigris Moshe. He says, now he's really bringing this for another part. Bigris Moshe happens to discuss if if it's a certain if it's a surgery where there's no risk or little risk involved, then you force the patient to do it. That's all he's quoting. I'm just putting it into context here. It says, This is explained in the Igris Moshe, which is a Moshe Feinstein Sefer, right here, the six, <coughs> like, twelve volumes. Um, as far as surgeries that have a, a doubtful outcome, there's a risk involved in surgery. Doubtful risk. Doubtful risk. The chance of living is less than 50% after this surgery. But without this surgery, he's going to die, for sure. Surely in a short period of time, if he does not, if we do not do this procedure. If we do the procedure, there's still a, a less than 50% chance of him living. Okay, that means there's more than 50% chance of him dying. One second. Yeah, see, there we go. So one second. Mutal yeah. It's permitted for him to do the surgery. So one second. Let's read a little. If the ill person 
doesn't want to endanger his life um, for the, for to endanger his short-term life again because he's gonna die. So he's not a, he's not gonna live. No one lives forever, but he's not even gonna live. So it's only for short ter- time. Um, on the chance that maybe he might live longer if he has the surgery. And even the doctors are not sure of the outcome. So surely we cannot obligate him to do the surgery. Of course. Okay, but now he goes on to That's say... That's not this case. Right, correct. Yes, I understand. That's what he's going to say. I think that's his point. That's his point. He says, this is applicable when you have a 50-50 chance. But he says, if most of the chances are that means there's a 51% chance that he's going to live, then he says, then you're obligated to have the surgery. Okay, once you reach over the 50% threshold, He's saying then you have to have the surgery. If the, the patient tries to get out of the surgery, and remain with this defect, whatever the defect may be, and according to the doctors, he can't live without the surgery. In a case where we don't have to be concerned that he might have a nervous breakdown, we don't listen to him, meaning he's not going to affect him. Run through a point with him. Is that what Let me finish okay. the sentence. For example, um, in a case, he says where the the that where he's for sure going to die. It's clear. And we don't know what's emotionally how he'll handle it. He says it's surely permitted and it's a big mitzvah to do it even against his will. Jeez. Okay. This is still a case where he has a short time to live. This is not, yes. not our yes, case. Yes, but yet. his point is that you see when a, a surgery is required to save someone's life, then you do it even against his will. That's the point he's bringing out. How much more so when they have a long time Wasn't to live? Wasn't there a time yeah. when the tipping point was 70%, not 51%? Just change mind, so come. Chickens, tickets are cheap. What? Wasn't there a, a ca- case we discussed, I think, a couple of years ago where the tipping point was about 70%, not 51%? Yes, 30, that's what Ron was mentioning, 33%. Yeah, it's, it's really 33 is the, the numbers we go with. This is a different opinion. If it's relevant, talk to your local rabbi. The thing that always impresses me and whenever we talk about these autonomy versus doctor's decisions is the level of certainty that, that halakha puts on the doctor's opinion. I mean, I know that I'm always right, but I don't know about other doctors. I got you. That may, be in, that may be intentional because, think about it, they may already know there's no way you can have that kind of certainty, therefore it's open to argument. Mm-hmm. Because they understood there's no way you can have that kind of certainty. I'm mean, thinking about the bakey when the uh, issue is the aneurysm and uh, everyone said he's going to die and George said, no, I don't think so. He's 96 years old, but he's physiologically much younger and he said, I think he'll make it. And there's no data. And he made as it. I, as he I made told Dr. DeBake, it's very hard to die on George Newton's service. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. <Okay>. Right. Um, <laughs> the odd thing is, is that patient will, their mindset, 
uh, has an impact on outcome. Absolutely. So Absolutely. if you have point, yes. a patient who's like feeling coerced by the family, by the rabbi, whoever, to have a particular procedure and the patient just says, okay, mm -hmm. just because these people are driving them crazy, they're not gonna do what's required in Absolutely. the recovery phase. Mm -hmm. Um, they're going to sabotage their care. So it's like right. so it's that 51%, it's like it drops to 49% when you I get gotcha. it. That's a very good point. Yeah. But Patients here again, we're talking wrong. about with someone who doesn't have the procedure, they're surely going to die. So whatever chances we're giving, it's probably better than that. But it's a, it's a valid point. Yes, we Halacha does recognize that the patient's psychological health is... I would say just as important, but almost as important in their recovery as. But even there's so much, the so much uncertainty in that. The patient may say, you know, think before the surgery, this will be terrible, and they won't cooperate. And after they wake up, and they say, oh, that's not so bad, and all of a sudden they cooperate. You just don't know how they're going to react. You just don't know. Now, occasionally, right. I think we've all had patients with the patient said, Doc, you know, if I have the surgery, I'm going to die. And I don't know about surgeons, but. You know, as an internist who I, had a clear I've people, I, I, exactly, I've canceled that. surgery. The patient, said, I, I just think I'm going to die. And that's not like I may not cooperate. It's like I think I'm going to die. And if they patient think in that intuition way, intuition is very important, yes. right? It's like, man, you have some sense that you know. Well, it doesn't happen very often, but occasionally it does happen. Yeah. A patient says, the way, the, "I the think the I'm going to die." The Talmud says that Adam uh, That means if you have a disagreement between the patient and the doctor and the patient wants a procedure done and the doctor doesn't, you go with the patient. The patient knows best what's better for himself. That's oh, so patient intuition, what are you saying? Let's say yeah, yeah. Yom Kippur, patient says, if I don't have the food, if I don't eat, I'm going to die. And the doctor's saying, nah, he doesn't have to eat. Okay, the halacha is you feed the patient. You give him food. You, he's all, you let him eat because patients know more about their own bodies in a certain sense than the doctor sometimes. Not, not, not on the other way, meaning we err always on the side of life. The point is I we see that, yeah. yes, of course. Okay. So, uh, okay, so let's just finish here. We're going to run out of time and not going to be here next Besides week. Besides from not eating, the question is, is he really dead? No. Um, he's dead, dead. Okay, so. <laughs> maybe he just thinks he's dead. So he brings another fascinating case, which I'm not going to get into the details, but basically he brings another case from the Talmud, Yushalmi and Shabbos, discusses a case where a son was born to this Rebbe Ada Barahava, and uh, during the circumcision, when I can get into the details, he became what's called a Kruth Shefcha. They, he, his, his organ got maimed, um, where he wouldn't be able to have children and marry, not exactly the case. Um, so it says that this, this father prayed that the child should die. We're not getting into the details of the case um, because he could, he wouldn't be able to marry and have, uh, uh, um, whatever the case was. It's us. It's actually prohibited in this case. Certain types of maiming of the male organ, you're not allowed to get married. In, you're not allowed to marry. Um, okay. So he says, you see from there how just the mere fact that this child wouldn't be able to get married, he prayed for his death. So maybe this guy is correct in his quality of life without a wife would be so bad that maybe he does have a right to refuse. That's his question. Is that analogous? Mm -hmm. it says, Maybe this patient does have a right in order not to suffer this pain of living without a wife. He says, that's not a good proof text because he says over there all he did was pray. Listen, pray, you can pray to die, but he didn't do any action. Here we want to do something, or in this case, it's all it chooses. It's an inaction. 
not having the surgery, but um, he's saying you can't bring a proof from just a case where a guy can pray, he wants to pray to die, that's, that's a different story. But as far as action here, here we're talking about a question of action, he says it's not analogous. Um, he goes on to say, Yesh Hosif says in our case we should add, she tachin, and this is what you said before actually, he agrees with you, the rabbi agrees with you, someone said this, so you could find a wife who could marry, who want to marry someone with a colostomy. It's, it's possible, to, you know. Um, there is a... You could have a spiritual relationship. Well, she's and as someone mentioned before also, says cancer is a lot worse than, the, the pain of cancer is a lot worse than a colostomy. And that can also have an effect on his emotional health, which would not allow him to find a wife. So the fact that he's claiming he won't be able to find a wife, first of all, might not be true. Maybe he'll find a wife. Second of all, uh, the cancer is worse than that in essence and can have a worse effect on him in not finding a way. The Gamla Baradavri goes on to say in the last paragraph, it's not clear in the case of the married fellow, and now now he gets to the aspect, is that really grounds for divorce? With the fact, can a woman claim her husband had a colostomy that she wants to divorce him? Is that enough sufficient ground in Allah for divorce? or not. So he gets into that aspect and he says it's not clear. Even though there is a concept the Talmud says of grounds for divorce a woman can claim ma'u he's disgusting to me um, in that sense, but um, he says it's, maybe that's not comparable to those cases um, because in those, he says the list of the cases the Gemara talks about is something that a person can't live with, literally can't live with. Um, one of the uh, cases the guy uh, works as a bursaki, which is a tannery with the smell, you smell. I don't know if anyone works with leather, but you come out, you literally, and you can't get, can't get rid of the smell. So she's claiming I can't live with. He smells too bad, okay? Or like we said, very bad breath. Olanasa ish mukashchen. He has boils all over all over his body. All those cases, we can force the husband, again, quote unquote, force the husband to give again. Kisha when she claims mosalai. Um, as opposed to this patient, it's possible to colostomy, he can wear it nicely and clean it well. He's not going to have a problem that necessarily the woman can claim it's, he's disgusting to me. He says, he doesn't know. It's possible that this would not meet the criteria for grounds for divorce. Also, as a practical matter, if, if you have a bet-in, the same rabbis who forced the guy to have the colostomy is sitting on a bet-in, are they not going to turn around and say, well, it's not this the colostomy? Um, okay. but, you know, but yeah, the community, the, the same community rabbis are going to turn around and say, and now you're disgusting, so get a, we're giving you a divorce. They're not going to do that. That puts no, them in. No, that's find the wife. No, the question is, is it grounds for divorce or not? It's nothing to do with the best. Does it fit the criteria or not? Well, but I'm saying they're going to stretch those criteria because they can't be in the same position and say, we're forcing you to do this. And yes, we're also going to force you to have a divorce. If you, if you, no, he's not. Uh, you yeah, name see, it's just means it's grounds for divorce. We're not discussing the force part. We're discussing he's saying my wife will divorce me. Question is, will the bet allow the wife to divorce? That's a good. And I'm question. saying I don't think yeah. so. If you maim somebody, you're obliged to give some yes. compensation. Yes. So would if the doctor maims him by giving a colostomy, does he have any obligation to? No, because that's wife? a healing, as we discussed. Yeah, yeah, a mitzvah yeah, can't be the I'm same thing as also be grounds for divorce. I mean, just it doesn't logically you have to reject that. Um, 
Um, it's, it's, this is uh, similar to a husband who says who lost an uh, arm or leg, is amputated. You don't force him to divorce his wife, explain the Shokhanarach, etc. So, um, so that's his last thing. So just to sum it up, he says here, so basically, he says the summary himself, this patient, if we, if we treat him, he will live a normal life, not normal, but again, a normal lifespan, we force him to have a surgery, quote-unquote. We do not um, have to deal, have to reckon with his concern. He won't find a wife. Or his wife will be, will be uh, disgusting, disgusted to him. Or he will be disgusted as well. not my daughter. You know, you, you, made a, you made an interesting comment about whether... Uh, whether it was that it was okay to pray that this baby should die because he won't be able to fulfill the the mitzvah of marrying and having children. Mm. Well, can does that mitzvah supersede the other six hundred and twelve? I mean, the the father can pray that all right, this this kid won't be able to fulfill the mitzvah to be fruitful and multiply and get married and everything. So I'm going to pray that the kid dies. Yeah. Well, what about the other 612 mitzvahs That's that he very, could have done if right. he'd have lived? That's a good question. That's a very strange story. Again, we're just bringing it as a side point okay. as to as to you see the the emotion. It's such a strong thing. Get yeah. marriage yes. is the emotional effect of not being married for this that he was praying for his death. Is that right or not? That's a different question. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, but we'll get, maybe we'll discuss that in a different, different section. Yes. Who's obliged to have children? The father or the mother? Oh, it's the male. Only males are obliged to have children. <laughs> Need two to tango, but, but the biblical obligation is only on the male. Females have no obligation to have children. Obviously, again, can't work. Thank you.